This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. This is Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me. I'm not at Vox headquarters in New York City. I'm like four blocks north in a, in a Trump building. I know. You guys know this is a Trump building? I did Saw not. That, yeah. It's a Trump building. I'm with ben, Benny and Josh Safdie. They're the directors and creators of Uncut Gems, which I think you probably heard about at this point because you guys have been doing endless promotion. <laughs> um, so thank you for including me on your tour. Um, of course. You may also know this as the Adam Sandler isn't funny in this movie movie. But, but he's, he's pretty, he's funny, pretty funny. funny. He is yeah. very funny in this movie. Uh, Kevin Garnett's in this movie. Johnny's nodding. He knows he's funny. <laughs> um, it's great. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's entertaining. Can we call it fun? Absolutely. It's yeah. fun. Okay. Yeah. It is. It's a wild I mean, movie. I spend 10 years on something, it better better be fun. It better be fun. <laughs> um, fun, for, fun to make, fun, fun to watch for me. And... And uh, everything that I look for in entertainment. It's okay, because you have a very specific idea of entertainment. Because <laughs> this is also described as like a heart attack of a movie, a yeah. two hour panic Makes attack. Makes you feel alive. You know, it's alive. like a defibrillator. I think of it as uh, the, the part of the roller coaster where you're going up. Uh-huh. Okay. So just for about two hours of that, like <laughs> something's going to happen. Uh-huh. And it keeps going. And you guys, is it fair to say that's sort of a trademark of, of the kind of movies you make? I guess I don't know. You know what? I was trying to talk to Ronald Bronstein about this. I was actually talking to him about it this morning. We're now, as we've made at least the last two and a half. Actually, heaven knows what has fall. I mean, Daddy Longlegs is that as well. I remember when we showed Daddy Longlegs to this French distributor. So sort of your first feature. This right? was our first feature. Yeah, they. Um, there's a part in the movie where uh, Ronnie's character basically administers some sleeping medicine to his kids so that they sleep a little later in the next day. Understandable and, <laughs> and terrible. Yeah. But then and, it's that he leaves the apartment but, to but, go do stuff. But this, French, but this French distributor guy, we were like, you know, it was a French, the French paid for that movie, half paid for that movie. And there was this like international buyer, big company. And we showed him the movie and he said, once the main character did that. He goes, I could watch this guy take a shit and I'd be interested. And, <laughs> That's uh, true. and he said, I said, well, why do you feel that way? He goes, I don't know. He laced every millisecond with tension. Cause I was thinking, I know he meant well with it. He wanted to shield his kids from the horror yeah. of waking up and being alone. But the byproduct of his, of the lack of foresight and the lack of research was frustrating to him and, and it made him so curious. So but my point is, I think that we've been working on these movies and I and I think just a natural attraction to a certain energy and vibe has kind of developed into this kind of 
diamond-shaped tension. And and I think that, you know, always responded to thrillers. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's what we did is we made like a like a pretty tense thriller. But then we have the thing that makes it just so entertaining for me is that I've never... Uh, it's that you have this tense thriller, but you have these like strange moments of comedy that are like... They're not like funny, haha. They're like people are actually laughing, and that's very cool. I was, I was also, I was talking with Ronnie, and he's like, he said, "There's a a, a compulsion to I to not have people be bored to such an extent that it's almost like a um, like a fault, you know? Like we always want to keep it entertaining, so we keep the edits so lean and everything. And at one point, does that become like a?" Um, there's something wrong with you. I don't yeah, know. Your, your version of entertaining is, here's a character, something bad is happening to him, and then it gets worse, and then it gets worse, and then it gets worse, and you keep waiting for, like, relief, uh-huh. like, for it to work out, and, <laughs> spoiler, it, it doesn't tend to work out, at least in the movies I've seen. <laughs> um, I think it works out a little bit for Howard in the movie. All right, I don't want spo- <laughs> to spoil it. Does, <laughs> yeah, it, does, yeah, does anyone come to you and say, it. look, we'd love you to do this kind of project, but it's going to be very different from what you do. We want to bring that energy that you have, but we want to make it more accessible. I'll say this. So Scott Rudin, uh, who came onto the project three years ago, you know, who has an incredible pedigree of, of films going back uh, to when he was like a early running fa- studios when he was like 20-something years old, you know, from... The firm to you know most recently to like Ladybird you know yeah. what I mean so he 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 responded to the energy and he won and he pushed us you know we had a I won't call it languid but we had a a kind of stretched out first act and and he pushed us to make it an avalanche and he pushed us often like I remember we were shooting um second day of, of the shoot, we were shooting this scene between Howard and Julia out the window where he's passing her a bag. And it was uh, above 47th Street. And we, it was a pretty crazy, from a technical standpoint, it's crane, crane off the top of the roof. And and he saw, I remember he was nervous about us shooting something close to the ending on such an early day. And I, I told him not to worry about it. And, and then he saw the dailies and he voiced concern immediately. He's like, it's not intense enough. And and he goes, you have to reshoot it. And I said, well, we can't reshoot it. Our schedule is so tough. He's like, well, he's like, well, let's think about it at the end. Maybe we'll put it on the stage. We'll rebuild that outside. I was like, oh no, I definitely don't want to do that. I want to shoot it on location. Um, and I thought we did a great job because in this moment, Howard isn't intense. Howard is actually very calm and collected, and he knows exactly what his end. fate. Yeah. Exactly, he's in the center of the storm. And uh, we tried to explain well, to him that everything also, around it is actually really and intense it's also, and it's, crazy. It's that's the one moment where nobody else knows what's going on except for him. You know, he's but, in total control in that moment. But I bring it up because it was an example of someone, you know, from on high, someone with great experience, Scott Rudin, pushing us to go push the intensity of the film, make it and, make it more. Yeah, intense. yeah. Which was it was a you know I don't know there was something about that. Hearing somebody from his point of view pushing us to do that was was uh, fortifying, but it was also, you know, we were, we were thinking this the other day. It's like, I don't know if we're going to continue to go on and make movies that are quote-unquote intense or quote-unquote stressful. We have a certain genetic DNA or that makes us, all, me, Benny, and Ronnie in particular, stressed out people uh so i think naturally we're gonna kind of go towards that pole but um there's not gonna be a movie set in california with buddies and 
you know, I, I would, if we did, it would be like a don't harsh my buzz type movie. Uh-huh. You, know? <laughs> you guys said this movie took 10 years to make, stars Adam Sandler. You've done movies in between. What, mm-hmm. it, was it that you got distracted and wanted to do other projects? Was it well, getting, did yeah. you always need Adam Sandler and well, was getting him that for was 10 years? One, that was one thing, is we always wanted him, but it was also just we didn't have kind of the credibility to get the budget and everything necessary to make gems when we wanted to. So it kept getting pushed. Because this is what, your third feature feature? This No, this is our f- fifth, right? Well, no, no, no. You got Daddy, Let, Heaven, Lenny Cook, Lenny Cook, Good Time. Yeah, it's our fourth. I mean, if you include the feature, if you include the the doc, it's five. Yeah, yeah. But you guys right. are sort of out of film school. You start making, yeah. and you start well, we doing wrote a, circuits. We, we wrote a we wrote a screenplay while um, started writing it, still basically in, in in school. And I remember there was this uh, person we were working with um, who who was older than us and. Uh, she was met through, uh, what's the name? What do you say? Friends of Bob? What do you mean? What's the term? Oh, oh yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she took us under her wing and she was like bringing us around. We were really young. We would go into these rooms and we would pitch this. It was basically the, it was the only, it was a script about the, f- the same characters in Daddy Longlegs, except it all took place on a beach. And it was kind of like a strange, loose adaptation of Odysseus. And, uh, it would be fun. It would be fun. There was a Brazilian person who yeah. wanted to take it and make it one day. But we, I remember we went out and um, tried to make that movie. And we were like, all we wanted was a few hundred thousand dollars to go and make this movie. And I remember at one point <laughs> we did a we did a table read for these lawyers and hedge fund people who met through the grapevine. Yeah. And we had to read it. And they brought like a uh, person of authority to like be like to listen to this reading. And it was like us, uh, the DP, our buddy Brett. Uh, Sammy, our production designer, production design gems, and we all read like every character, and uh, and then they these people were in like a boardroom on like a Saturday. <laughs> it was, and then they brought someone as an authority to like kind of give a sober point of view on the script that was being read, and it was like a like a um, not like a seventh. I don't even remember her character. On, on Footloose, like someone who was like a B, like a C plot, subplot yeah. character on Footloose. And she was just, she liked the script. Yeah. She actually vouched for it. She's the like, thing this is, is actually is pretty like, entertaining. We were, I, I think I was maybe 20 years old. And the guy's like, look, I'm not giving these guys like 100 grand to go have fun on a beach. You yeah, know, that's, that's how he looked at And then they wanted us to spin it into like, if you make it about 9 11, we'll, we'll, whole thing we'll, we'll pay for it. It's like, 9 11, this movie has nothing to do with 9 11. And then, Whatever, Benny had this idea. He was like, I didn't want to talk about it. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's, not, uh, it's, not it's not even necessary. It was either way to make it include 9-11 for the, for the budget. But, but it was partly a joke, and the guy took it seriously either way. Um, it was, anyway, the thing is, that was that My point is, that us. turned into, yes, that's It scarred us because yeah. it's like we wrote down this script. Was and, that the first time you'd sort of like done a, a pass the can in front of like money guys? Before? Yeah, well, and it was just like, yes. okay, this is what happens. You spend all this time on the script, and then you go through this whole process, and it kind of kills and a rich person the says, desire. Mm, Add a, add a yeah. dog or something. Yeah, yeah. and then well, it when, just kills your the, desire to to do anything with it. And then the script just kind of sat there and languished, and it was always But then we met scary. Andy Spade through our buddy Casey Neistat. He said, hey, I can get you X amount. I can get you the budget if you give me 48 hours. And uh, I said, all right, you got 48 hours. I didn't even care if it was 60 <laughs> hours. <laughs> but that's the Casey's way. He was like, 48 hours, I'm going to get it. And uh, on the 47th hour, he told me, I remember I was sick, like Benny is now, and uh, much sicker, actually. And he's like, meet me in your car at this old Volvo. He's like, meet me in your car on the corner of Worth and Broadway at 
at 9 a.m. on this. And I was like, what? He's like, and pack for the weekend. And I was like, what is going on? He's like, oh, and bring your bring your package, the short films, all that stuff. And we drove out to meet uh, Andy Spade and his wife, Kate Spade. And, um, and we spent uh, a weekend with him. And it was very magical in the sense that, like, this guy was, um, it was like out of a Chaplin film, like City Lights almost. Mm-hmm. He was very nurturing. He loved our short films, and he read this script that took place on the beach. He's like, all right, I got an idea. We're going to, I'm going to give, you're going to do a short, you're going to do a short commercial for Kate, Kate Spade, and you're only going to spend $10,000 on that short. And then you're going to take the remainder of the the budget, 180000 and you're going to put that you're into a feature. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, you know, of course, it's a long story, but my point is that was like, Andy then became, uh, Andy and Kate ended up becoming like, you know, very involved in, in basically giving us work for the next three, four years and also funding our features. Don't remember how we got started on this, but it was- I was, was asking about the, the journey, but this is actually kind of where I wanted to go. The okay. idea that eventually is, is so you guys are are making movies, oh, but you're intimately, you're intimately involved in every part of it, right? You're raising yes. every dollar. You're you're bringing your friends to do production work. Was that how you imagined movies were going to work when that's you started we, that playing is a, around with cameras? That's well, that's the only way we could make stuff happen was if your friends were all on board to make it work because you had to convince everybody, hey, this is worthwhile, and that's like I a th- good starting I th- point. I think that that's in the DNA of the work, and in particular with Uncut Gems, because there's <laughs> this decade-long journey behind the actual film. It was when by the time we had, you know, this major union film that we were shooting in New York and we were showing up on 47th Street, everyone on the crew that was showing up to projects they were used to, and this is not to disparage any of their projects, some of the projects are great, but they're showing up to these projects that are kind of like these um, tent cities, you know what I mean? They're like constructed and built and then they're gone. They were showing up to this and they're showing up on 47th Street and they're seeing relationships that go back eight, nine years between one of the producers or myself and a shopkeeper or some guy who who made a piece of jewelry for the film eight years ago and now they're showing up and they can't believe their own eyes that it's actually happening. So the DNA of us trying to DIY the film for so long actually bled into the megastructure of the movie in a way that I think it really helped it. Yeah, and it's also, I, I'll also run boom on this, on this, even though that's how we did all the movies prior. It's like on a major movie. So that's, that's a very- for, for people who don't know, that's holding up the microphone. Yes, yeah. that's yeah. a very strange thing to do on the set. Well, and it isn't strange for me. For yeah. other people, but no, but it's you strange. Know, for, yeah. for, for a director to do that is a strange thing. So when everybody shows up, there's all of that combined with this feeling that we don't ever leave the set. Hey, this is Peter. We're going to break into this conversation for a quick minute. We're going to hear from a sponsor. We'll be right back with the Safties. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield. So he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? Be the most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are an APY. APY can change at any time. Okay, now we're going to go back to the Safety Brothers. Do you guys ever wish, boy, I wish we could just write the thing and direct it, and then no, someone else takes care of everything not even else a little like bit, a regular no. movie Well, director. listen, production is the worst experience of life. It is grueling. It ages you. It's horrible. It's really like... It's not fun. 
I mean, Sandler made it fun, yeah. which was awesome about him, but it was it's not a good time to be, you know. I mean, you're you're trying to will this thing into existence. Everything, all the powers that be are trying to kind of, you know, put you out and smite you in a weird you're way. You're constantly trying to find ways to like one up the the system because nothing wants you to make it the way you want to make it. So it's terrible. Yeah. It's it's. Do you it's think abs- that changes no matter how much money? Of course, because you're always you end up always finding yourself at the limit. Right. Of so what even you if you're Michael Bay or Steven yeah. Spielberg, yeah. you're always going to be like, oh, if only we had an extra day. Well, I hear this, that. You know? I hear that Tarantino's sets are very fun. I hear that he designs them to be very fun, which is awesome. I I just don't. I don't. I, I, I when I when I when I know when the production's starting, it's like doomsday in a weird way. It's like. Okay, this day, this day, this day, this day, and you kind of you would just hope that something happens so that you can it will be pushed a and, little bit. And yeah, and also the the whole what what we're at least trying to do is get people to not think about all of that structure that's around it. So you kind of want people to you want to be moving at a speed that people can't really stop and look around. So I actually we went to this A twenty four did this pop up for the film to promote it in New York, and I was there and and. Joe showed up. Mm-hmm. Joe, uh, this guy Joe Alashayev, he, he owns a building on 47th Street. And he was one of the first jewelers, even though he's an owner of the building, he was one of the first people to really embrace us on the block. For a while, no one was really embracing us. And so he, if you're not in New York City, you haven't been here, Diamond District is 47th Street. Between 5th and 6th, yeah. It's almost entirely sort of populated by Jews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Specific now, particularly on the street level, Bukharian Jews, which are a small minority within a minority I itself. I just learned about the Bukharian yeah. Jews. Yes. They're in Queens, right? Yeah. Yes. They're, yeah. they're Uzbeki. Uh, they're, yeah, they're either jewelers or haircutters. It's, it's, more, it's, yeah. it's super specific. Yes. Uh, it's a, only a New York experience. Yes. I, I got a ring there once. It's a it's a crazy scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And they're from Uzbekistan, and, uh, and they're amazing people. They're very colorful, and they... Um, they yeah, they're fun once you get in, you know, but they're close-knit, so they don't really let a lot of people in. And he was one of the few people who did let us in. And I remember at one point we were, like six years ago, we were doing some sort of barter system because I had connections to this great interior designer who has since passed, rest in peace, Jim Walrod. Uh, and he was a friend, and he's like, oh, I'll come. He'd done hotels and stuff. He's like a cool guy. And he was like, oh, I'll come, and I'll design this thing for this guy, and no no charge. He was just wanted to help us get the movie made. And then I contacted this, like, recent architect grad, and we were going to design an Uzbeki lounge on the top of this building on 47th Street in exchange for six months of free rent in his building so we could shoot there. And this guy, he saw the movie, and he loved it. Really? He said the last hour was unbelievable. Is, he doesn't watch a lot of movies, Joe. But he came and his son, who appears in the movie as an extra, yeah, yeah. He, they, were in the pop up, they were in the pop-up together. Yeah, that's amazing. And Joe is in it. Yeah, and he was so excited. He goes, that last hour was un- incredible. He just <laughs> couldn't believe it. And he was he was remar- he was was reminiscing. He's like, do you remember when you were going to build me the lounge? And uh, <laughs> to him, it was, and then, uh, then he said this incredible thing. He's looking around at the pop-up. He goes, what is this? They selling the stuff, <laughs> and, and I was because to him, commerce is such a binary thing. You know I what have I mean? A thing, you're going to buy it. This is how much it costs. Exactly. Yeah. Here we are in this promotional thing where nothing's actually for sale. He doesn't didn't understand. He yeah. couldn't compute, and he was looking around. I was like, no, this is promotional, and and he just didn't. You couldn't buy the Furbies. They weren't for sale. Well, they weren't. They for will sale, be for right? sale, yeah. but they weren't for it was sale. Just like there. Showing them, yeah, because it wouldn't be fair to only Can make you, it available yeah. to people. I who can buy a Furby from you guys. Uh, not from us. A twenty four is they re- did a using the person who built our Furby for the film. 
uh, they built a more affordable version of They're it. They're pretty yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Do, do you? How active are you guys in in the distribution and marketing part of it? Are you hands on or do you? Don't, that I actually. Done? It's actually I, helpful yet to not be. I remember when with IFC when they released our first movie and stuff. I was so involved, and then I really regret that because I actually really like seeing a corporation or whatever come in and market. So you, you know want to I mean? create the thing every every line, be involved line, in line, stuff. and then you want to hand it over and say, "Yeah, there was." Yeah, give, I'll give people. feedback, but like I don't. It's not. It's, it's not our expertise. Well, it's you also, know what I mean? I don't, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know how to do that. It's I, yeah, it's a little bit different this time because it's like with that first movie with IFC, there wasn't really a lot of marketing weight behind it. You know, literally, I was standing outside of a movie theater handing out pamphlets, convincing people to go to our film, come and see not, the movie, and yeah. not others. So I would literally see people waiting for tickets and be like, "Don't buy that, buy this movie." And they're like, "Who who says?" I'm like, "Me." You're I like made the guys it. in the village yeah. Yeah. in front of the comedy <laughs> exactly. store. Exactly. We made a sandwich board, and yes, he was, was yeah. And so that was literally how the market. That was how we marketed it. And I, I remember they let me use their copy machine, and they, I was like, "They're like, just don't do too many cops." Jelani's nodding. We should do this for podcast. Really. <laughs> it was just like I, it was it was a, it was an issue that I was going to use up all the toner. You know, that's kind of. <laughs> the level that it was at. And so now, yeah, there's a little bit more weight behind it so you can actually watch and see some of this stuff through somebody else's eyes, which is pretty cool. And do you like have that Christmas of, spot is do unbelievable. Do you have thoughts about sort of like, I think this is a movie that's going to reach this kind of audience or let's, well, we my think, friends are yeah. using Instagram, let's make sure we promote it there, but they're not on TikTok, let's not do that. Or I do love you, TikTok. There you go. I do, I do like <laughs> I mean, so you have thoughts about that stuff, or you again, uh, like they'll they'll lay out. We think, out, it, we think the movies for like, everybody. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like we yeah, want that's, to be on that's, like that's our that's a it's in a weird way like uh, our buddy in Sean a, <laughs> Price Williams. He would always mock us that he thinks you guys really believe that your movies are for everyone. <laughs> I was like, he's like, that's not a put on. I was like, no, no, that's real, man. It's, it's, <laughs> it, we genuinely believe that uh, because you don't want to feel you feel less lonely if you're like, oh, everyone kind of is interested in this. Ooh, you do you know? remember? And, do you remember the like our the old. The guy who used to own the building where we had our office out of, he's like, why isn't Daddy Longlegs on TNT every weekend? Oh, and the other like, office? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, yes, Our, our landlord finally. was just like, he, he saw the movie and he loved it. <laughs> and he was just like, he's like, I don't get it. Like, this is a big movie. And we're like, yes, yeah, we agree. But, you know, not many other people agree. But, but, but uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, you make the movie and then, you know, you, particularly when you're working with someone like Rudin, who's like, He's and A24, they're both so great at it that I don't want to get involved. I, I there's filmmaking is a fascistic art form, you know what I mean? It's authoritarian. You have directors disseminating, we're not collaborating here. I'm it's, making a thing, you yeah. It is, it is very collaborative, yes. but ultimately, you need authoritarian, you need the mm -hmm. you know, the iron fist, you need it. It, it the, yeah, yeah. The, the process depends on that, it needs it. Even though it's super collaborative, you know what I mean? It's more collaborative than almost in, in any other art form, but it needs this weird, strange kind of almost communistic, uh, like Russian communistic, like someone. Yes, exactly. Uh, or just like, this is it. Uh, so when, when it comes to, and I believe that that's the case a little bit when it comes to the, 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 the release and the market, like you need somebody. And, and luckily, you know, again, like A24 and Rudin, they have this great vision for it. I don't want to get involved. Like when we when we came in, they showed us the posters. You know, they presented the poster that is the po that is the image for the film, and it looked like an iconic. I said, "This guy, yeah. this looks like one of your iconic plays." You know, what I mean, this looks like Arthur Miller almost. You know, so I, I, I just was. I, I, I and then they showed when they showed the trailers. I, the, the I, thing I, I the my reaction to the one that went quite viral was, 
I was just like, I don't even know. I said, I don't know. I don't know if this is good. I just don't know. <laughs> it's it's strange because, yeah, at some point you're maybe a little bit too close to make those decisions of how to skew things and what will translate. But with that poster, it w- the way I knew it was like, okay, this is even, even though I already knew we were in good hands, you know what yeah. I mean? But when you saw the ones they rejected, you're like, okay. You well, know, no, they, they said, we yeah. just what you want to see what yes. else was out there. They only showed us two. <laughs> like, yeah, let's take to the we'll other three, And there were like, right? there were the 300. on each end, and then there's <laughs> one in the middle. There were 300 where you were just like, oh my goodness. What uh, I mean, they're, they're experimenting. Of course, yeah. but still, you could see the, the mind working through and trying to figure it so out. So I've seen three of your movies, one in a screening room, a uh-huh. full screening room, which is nice, and then the other two I saw at home. I rented yeah. uh, Good Time and watched in my basement, and then other, I watched... Uh, Lenny Clark, which is a great documentary. Lenny Cook. Lenny Cook, thank you. I keep calling it Clark. <laughs> Larry Clark. Uh, Larry Clark. Yeah. 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 I'm re- legally required to ask you how you feel about people watching on your fo- their phone or their laptop versus in a theater. I'm assuming you prefer the theater. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I I I, I admit, like you know, one of the most memorable movie, movie watching experiences I watched on a cell phone on the street. What was that? Uh, it was Christian F with. Um, with the lead actress from Heaven Knows What. No idea what those things are. <laughs> Heaven Knows What is a movie we made. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, oh, um, that's your, that's your junkie movie. Yes. It's, uh, yeah, You're, pejoratively. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's, that was, I, I, I deemed that one too intense for me. <laughs> it is, you know, it's, it's looking, I can't, um, there was a screening recently and I couldn't, well, I didn't want to go it's watch intense. it. It's intense. It is it's, intense. It's, um, it's a dark movie. I, it was. I was in a dark place. When you say it's a dark movie, yeah, because well, it was. Movie. It was. It was. I was in a dark time in my life, yeah. and and I made the movie, and and I'm proud of it, and it was very important for us, and and for and I and I love the movie, but it's just dark, and and uh, there's a lot of darkness surrounding the film. But uh, anyway, when we made that movie, I was with Ariel, who's the lead of the film. And uh, she had never seen that movie, and and uh, she had heard about this character Christian F. So I said, oh, "Let me show it to you." And I found a stream on my phone, and I just sat there. It was thirty degrees outside, and we just sat and watched the entire thing. Shared ear- earphone experience. It was very memorable. It was a very memorable experience. But at the same time, like I think in this day and age, move going to the theater is very very important. I think that. I can't tell you how many times I've I've had a collective experience. Like when you go, particularly with Uncut Gems, watching it with an audience, like I would, and I've done it a handful of times, it's, I've never seen anything like it before because it's such a tense movie, but you have, you know, and everyone's leaning forward, but you have these weird barrage of laughter moments and, and you can feel like everyone's kind of rooting in together. And uh, the only thing you can really liken it to is, Weirdly, is is like live sporting event, mm-hmm. uh, but it, but it's different than that because you're it's so it's so personal for everybody, and I just think that the you know like when I, like the other day we were in New York we were doing a Q and A up uptown and we wanted to watch the last twenty minutes of the movie and you watch it with this packed audience and it was it it was really like nothing else like it, it sitting next to a stranger and watching something so personal, uh, and it's a personal experience for everyone who goes there. And you know everyone's just like also just gripped by it. And you don't, I don't care if people use phones or anything like that. I don't care. I'm not a precious movie going. As long as you're not distracting me, I don't really care. And even when you're distracting me, it doesn't really bother me you either. You don't care if they use phones in the well, theater? I don't really care. No, I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not a Nazi not like a, that. You know? No, I'm not going to ever be that guy. Put that away. I'll never be that person. Because you know what? you got your own life. I got my life. I mean, I'm, again, you don't I'm know invested how in this attention. movie. Yeah. But I'll say this, I didn't see any phones out in the movie and like people use phones in movies and like, and I, that's something everyone has to accept. 
You know what I mean? You guys got Scorsese to work on this one, right? He's a producer. He got involved after that movie, Heaven Knows What. So so did Pattinson got involved after that movie as well. And Robert Pattinson's in Good Time. And I want to ask you about the casting in a second. But so he, he, he just came out with, uh, my mind just broke. Irishman. Uh, Irishman. Three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. I watched it. Multiple sittings yeah. at home. He despairs over that. But it seems like if you're good, that's, that's a great encapsulation of the trade, right? Yeah. Netflix gave him the money so he could make it. He couldn't make it otherwise. Yeah. And I, then he gives up the idea that you're, you're going to be able to watch well, I read that where, he, where you're going to be able to watch it. He says, well, I read that he talked about because he knew where it was going to be, that he experimented with how long he could make it. You know, that was like something he was in his head at least. But yeah, I don't, it's, it depends. Yeah, it's like Josh was saying. I, I there's think certain, there are certain experiences that. How, whatever you get from it, however you get it, is it doesn't really matter. Do you think I can't imagine about- watching Irishman in multiple sittings. Yeah, I just can't. I, for some I reason, I think I would like it a lot more if I sat in the theater because yeah. the intensity would sort of wash. There's something a movie about a lifetime, but I also can't I mean? imagine yeah. carving out three and a half hours to go. To the it movies. is it, the thing is, is there? It used to be that like, oh, when you were on an airplane, that was the moment you could turn off. Like yeah. now, it's the movie theaters and the bathroom. Really, the, the only places you can kind of not talk to anybody else you know you can just go in and lose yourself I, I I think that um uh I think that the three and a half hours I I mean why all of a sudden in this day and age how can we not carve out you know what I mean I think it's important I mean I think about that often about time and how you use it I think it's important to There's, humble yourself yeah. with other stories well, that's, I, like no, that. I, I'd love yeah. to have the time yeah. and I get that I spend time all kinds of ways but for it sure. would be very hard for me to carve that out yeah 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 no I get it there, I is mean, something, there was something exciting going to see it in the theater knowing that you were in for that I didn't find like, it to be that long it wasn't I long saw no. it. I, I, I didn't think about the I don't think I thought there, about the runtime once while I was it actually you, it. you get by sitting through it you actually get the full feeling of the life you know in a way that I don't know if you would get if you split it up yep just got the two-minute warning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're you're professional. Um, <laughs> My art professional, yeah. <laughs> still don't know how you got Adam Sandler. How do you get to Adam Sandler? How do you convince him to make this movie? It took ten years to convince him. We got the no in 2011. And then we who got do you, who do you who do you how do you get to him to begin with? So we Actually, after we, Daddy we Long Legs, really got to him. Well, until, this will be interesting for yeah. people to hear. After Daddy Long Legs, what our first two movies we had made I made this experimental movie that was like not supposed to really exist and it does and then we did Daddy Long Legs and they were both at the Cannes Film Festival and we were there we were getting kind of these incoming requests to meet with agencies and I was so disinterested with it I didn't understand it didn't want to be a part of it I was like yuck leave me alone Uh, and then when we wanted when we said okay this is the next one we want to do Gems we knew it was a big film we knew it was an expensive movie because of the world that you're in it was a materialist film and we knew we needed a star. So we said, all right, well, let's start this process by getting an agent. So we got this agent, and then the agencies all speak to each other. And, uh, you know, it's like the um, the mainframe of the industry. And that we started there, and we went out from one agent to basically his management. And we couldn't get this. You know, big stars have a moat. They have yeah. their castle, and they have their walls, and then they have the moat around the walls. And we couldn't get over the moat to even get to Sandler, so we ended up. Uh, you guys are basically unknown. Like you're. Yeah, we you, had. You're at the well, point we, where you can get to the Cannes Film Festival, but no one outside that. And we and we won like a Spirit Award and a Gotham Award. And we were like, okay. So if you're a film hipster, yes, maybe so you've heard of it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and it was just like, in hindsight, it was like, who did we even think we were to even go to someone like Adam Sandler? Like, who the fuck did we think we were? It's crazy. Uh, so we tried, and we couldn't even get to. We couldn't even reach him. Then five years later. 
four years later, we made uh, Heaven Knows What. And then this is before uh, Scorsese attached himself, or maybe it was right around the same time. And uh, before we made Good Time, and we were like, let's try again. And we'll take this other modicum of critical success that we had and try to get Sandler again. Again, we couldn't get to him. And then it took uh, Good Time. Good Time was the movie that made contact, and we used it, you know, Pattinson's a big star, and I don't think that that's the reason. The irony but is we that... we did this with a big star. But the irony is that, that Sandler responded most to our film Daddy Long Legs when he went back and watched our other films. So that's the irony. So it, it takes persistence and it you takes... Parlay everything into this. Yeah, and it takes... Yeah, exactly. It takes was educating gonna, yourself and keep was working Was there going to be a version that didn't have Adam Sandler? Uh, we, we tried. Went, yeah, we went. But it didn't. We went down a, a road with, you know, trying to convince Sasha Baron Cohen. We did these table readings with him. That never came to fruition. And then when Scorsese got involved, then we went down a road where, like, we were going to maybe make a movie with a peer, uh, with, with Jonah Hill. That never really happened. I would see either of those movies. Yeah. I mean, it was different. And, and we never could figure out a way to age the character down. So then when Jonah became unavailable with his film and his filmmaking, uh, that we were like, okay, well, this is meant to be. Let's go back to Sandler. Let's try one more shot. And it happened. I'm glad you got him. I'm glad yeah, you me too. Movie. I'm glad you made time. Benny, Thank you. you're sick. Thank you. Extra credit for showing up. <laughs> yeah. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. Thank Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Awesome. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.